discussion with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulaqui. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dulaqui, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But if you do call in, I ask that all questions be directed towards my guest tonight, who I'll introduce to you shortly. But it is attorney Raymond Heckmat uh, from Heckmat Law and Mediation. And we're going to be talking about prenuptial agreements amongst other things. But before I introduce... Uh, my guest, I did want to just quickly say a few words about what happened last night in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, though I wasn't planning to, and I do have the guests, I did want to just say a few things about what happened, which was really heartbreaking and tragic. Uh, I actually was supposed to be in Las Vegas this weekend with a few friends of mine, but about two weeks ago, um, we ended up canceling the trip and staying together here in L.A., um, but nonetheless, it was really a tragic and heartbreaking event, and I hope we can open up the discourse about how we can help prevent things like this from happening. It is tragic, and we do want to mourn the loss of those uh, who were killed, injured, and also those affected. But also, I think it's important to have discussions about things that we can possibly do. Thoughts and prayers are wonderful, and we should always share them and have positive feelings and well wishes for anyone. But it's also important to actually take change uh, or to create change and to try to make something different in the future so we don't have situations like this occur again or at least reduce the likelihood. So on Wednesday's show, I will focus more on the horrific incident that happened last night in Las Vegas, Nevada. But if you don't mind, the listeners out there, we will bring it back to my guest tonight who will introduce to you tonight. So if you have calls about that, save them for Wednesday. If you do have a call regarding prenuptial agreements or financial planning for couples, you can direct them towards my guest, Raymond Heckmat, who I mentioned is from Heckmat Law and Mediation, which he founded uh, recently in the past few years. Let me tell you a bit about him. He's been practicing law, which has been devoted exclusively to the areas of family law, including divorce and prenuptial agreements since earning his Juris Doctor degree from Loyola Law School in 2009, and he has been practicing family law for the past eight years since graduating, covering things including family law litigation involving high asset property division, complex custody, complex custody litigation, jurisdictional issues, and division of community estates and prenuptial agreements. He is admitted to practice law in California as a member of the Los Angeles County and Beverly Hills Bar Associations. He was born and raised in Los Angeles, where he attended Beverly Hills High School, which is actually where he and I met many years ago. And he currently lives in Los Angeles with his wife and newborn son. Raymond, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me tonight. Uh, and, you know, I was I was very happy you approached me and we talked a bit um, because you mentioned how prenuptial agreements, and even when I talked to people that that was going to be the topic of the show tonight, you get a reaction out of everyone because it's almost this hot button, uh, almost like controversial issue that when you mention it, people have a reaction because there's such a stigma attached to it. And I really like the approach you had and why you wanted to come on and, and to talk about this is that it doesn't have to be this scary thing or there's maybe a lot of myths about it and you can maybe disarm some of the scariness about it and maybe demystify the process. So I, I was really happy to have you on to talk about that. Um, uh, 
So maybe you can even first talk about what is a prenuptial agreement. We all maybe think we know, but maybe we can know, make sure we know what we're talking about. Sure. So um, when you first get married, you're actually, a prenuptial agreement has already been set up for you. Mm -hmm. And that's what California law is. When you get married, you're, the rules in which your marriage is going to be dictated are California law. A prenuptial agreement is your opportunity with your partner to customize what it is that you want the law to be for your own specific financial situation. And it's simply an, an opportunity to customize that for mm -hmm. yourselves, uh, depending on certain situations that you might be in financially or that you will be financially. Right. So essentially, there is a prenuptial agreement that, depending on your state or jurisdiction, is already in place. If you get a divorce and you don't have your own prenuptial agreement, it's already been determined for you. And so what you're talking about is when people create their own prenuptial agreement, it's to specify it towards their own situation and, and personal um, interests that Absolutely. they might have. Absolutely. And, th and that's why I personally believe that a prenuptial agreement is an opportunity to plan for your marriage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a plan for divorce. And I think that's where a lot of, yeah. um, and you use the word myth, is I've done many talks on debunking myths of the mm -hmm. prenup because so many people have certain misconceptions of what a prenup is and isn't right. um, based on things that they've heard or stories that they've been told. Um, but I believe that a prenuptial agreement is a great opportunity to plan for a successful marriage and have the necessary conversations to have a successful marriage. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I thought was interesting about what you presented to me because the way I've always thought of it, and maybe this is in one way, a myth or the way that people look at it is that a prenuptial agreement is planning for your divorce or preparing your divorce. But you see it quite different, differently from that, right? Right. So um, when I meet with a client, the first thing I talk about with them is what discussions have they had regarding money with their partner. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the groundwork that needs to be laid first. First and foremost is having that conversation conversation about how money will be dealt with during your marriage, how you want to structure and manage your finances during marriage, um, how you're going to talk about individual and joint expenses, um, things like joint bank accounts, separate bank accounts. How are you going to mix incomes or keep income separate to have separate or joint purchases? Mm -hmm. Um, these are all different topics that I talk with my clients first on how they should be talking with their partners and planning right. for that marriage. Yeah, because I think most people, they think of a prenup as, okay, what do I walk away with is the only thing they're focused on. Again, the divorce side of it. But your process when you do prenups or the financial planning that you do with uh, couples or soon-to-be-married couples is actually more about the preparing and planning and then open and full disclosure about the financial situation of both individuals who are getting married to really know what's going on, prepare and plan and make sure that there isn't any, um, the expectations are on the same page right. going forward and everyone knows what to expect and what their role is going to be financially in the marriage going right. forward. Right. So a part of the prenuptial process actually requires a full and full financial disclosure. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fact that you are willing to go through that process and sh and be open and honest in your communication in terms of your assets, your debts, and your income 
and how you would like those to be dealt with during your marriage Mm -hmm. and what the expectations are of each partner during the marriage, first and foremost, lays that very strong groundwork Mm -hmm. for to have conversations later on during your marriage that every married couple has. And it's really important to start off your marriage on the right foot um, by having those uncomfortable conversations. And I know you and I have spoken about how important it is to have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's something I talk about on the show, whether it's even on top uncomfortable topics like suicide and sexual abuse that people don't like to talk about or having an uncomfortable conversation with your partner about something that they did that bothered you, but maybe you don't feel like it will be easy to talk about. Uh, we need to have those uncomfortable conversations. And finances is actually, I think, a really uh, important one that many couples don't talk about because, again, it is this taboo topic or we feel like to ask our partner about their financial situation might come off bad, that we're only looking at the money issue or that's what we're focused on. But um, any statistics on divorce always mentions that financial problems is one of the top two or three reasons or causes for divorce. So as much as we like to be very romantic about marriage and just think it's about the love and you love each other and that's the only thing that matters, we know that finances matter. Finances also and other logistical issues will play a part in your marriage and how healthy and happy it will be. And I, I that's what I liked about your approach was that it was much more about, it's not just about planning the divorce, it's about preparing for this important step you guys are taking and making sure you guys know what you're getting yourselves into going forward. And I think that's that's really key. So you mentioned one part of it is actually there is a full disclosure process in the prenup. Where, What does that include? So in terms of the process of a prenuptial agreement, and we can kind of go through what a, sure. the process looks like. And again, this is debunking some of the myths where some people think that someone secretly meets with their attorney, has them draft an agreement that only they want, and then the night before the wedding, it's thrown upon the other person, um, which is not how it goes. Um, So the process, generally how I like to practice, is somebody will come to me and have what I call a premarital financial consulting session, where I will meet with that person and kind of look at what their financial outlook is, talk about what assets they hold, what they may hold in the future in terms of inheritance, what their job is, how much money they make, and uh, looking at certain assets or debts, and if they have information about their partner's assets and debts, and kind of talk about what a prenuptial agreement could, well, first, what California law, the prenuptial agreement that's Mm -hmm. automatically in place, whether you like it or not, what California law will do to those assets once you get married. And what are the things that you are able to outline in a prenuptial agreement to maybe help your marriage be more successful in terms of individual and joint spending and expenses, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, achieving the goals that somebody might have in terms of uh, keeping certain assets like family businesses or family assets and protecting those from divorce in the event in that time. And we can talk about whether a prenuptial agreement is right for them. And if it is, we move on to that discussion. And if it's not, we talk about ways that they can still achieve some things within the confines of California law. But if they choose to move forward with a prenuptial agreement, um, my first advice is go talk to your partner. Here are things that you should be talking about. 
and give it a week and the two of you should be having these conversations mm -hmm. it's open communication with the partner and the person you're going to marry and share everything in your life with um, it's very important that you have those conversations with course, yeah. him or her and and talk about these things and then in a week come back to me and tell me what the two of you have decided together mm -hmm. and at that point um, i will spend some time drafting an agreement that i believe will match both parties' expectations and what both people want to achieve out of a certain agreement. And and in that and once that agreement is drafted, we do financial disclosures where both parties will uh, disclose their assets and one party will go get another attorney. And choosing your attorney is extremely important. Mm -hmm. You want to find someone that is going to advocate for you, but but advocate along your own morals and your own ethical guidelines and someone that is not going to try to go out and get something that they want for themselves. Um, and it's important to have someone, an attorney that is more mediation and settlement minded that is looking to work with another attorney mm -hmm. because this is not a, a prenuptial agreement should generally not be a contentious situation. It should yeah. be a process where four people, two attorneys and two parties are working together to achieve and to provide a guideline or a roadmap for success for two people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's key because I think later on we're going to hit on some do's and don'ts that you have related to prenuptial agreements. But I think very often I've heard stories or even in my practice or just in personal experience, heard stories from people saying that the prenuptial agreement process ended a relationship or the marriage didn't even go forward or it damage the relationship in a way going forward that actually maybe they never recovered from or introduced this kind of elephant in the room or something that was always there. But I think that very much can be related to how the process was handled or what was going on. Or also it could be an indication of some issues that were already there in the relationship that maybe means the two weren't right for each other to begin with. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But also I wanted to mention something, you know, he's kept talking about the financial planning. And I think that's important because a lot of people think, okay, for example, we're both open-minded and from a younger generation, so things are going to be very egalitarian or equal or we're going to go forward in a certain way. But it might turn out that one partner might not see things that way or when it comes to expenses, they might think, for example, the man should pay for this or the woman should pay for that. And they might not actually be on the same page. So it's important not to just assume, but to, as you mentioned, openly communicate and make sure there is some consensus between the two people because I don't actually think there's exactly a right way to spend your money or to do things when it comes to a lot of these issues. But I think what's so important is that the partners be on the same page. You know, if you want the guy to pay for this and that and the other and they're both on the same page, that's fine. But the problem occurs when, let's say, the wife expects the husband to pay for this, but the husband's expecting her to pay for that same thing. And then now they're in the marriage and it's kind of too late to figure it out or it's going to turn into a fight that they could have actually talked about and maybe had a smaller, uncomfortable conversation, but prepared themselves to have a stronger marriage going forward. Right. And that's why uh, I actually do. Um, that's why I love prenuptial agreements in that it's just by the nature of our conversation, what we're talking, what you just brought up doesn't necessarily go into a prenuptial agreement, mm -hmm. but the fact that you are, that a third party or an attorney or someone is bringing up the conversation of finances within your marriage and you need to have those conversations about how your marriage is going to be constructed financially, mm -hmm. it leads into 
other conversations that you need to have. And it's those conversations of roles and responsibilities. It's the conversation of each party's expectations of the other. And again, things about expectations of what your partner is going to be doing during the marriage doesn't necessarily need to be part of a prenuptial agreement. Right. But what has happened now is that when you talk about how are we going to handle our joint expenses, how are we going to handle our separate expenses, other conversations spin off mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. Necessary conversations spin off. And those conversations can discuss the roles and responsibilities. It can discuss the expectations, whatever they might be. Right. But it's important to have an understanding of what those expectations are before going into marriage, whereas some people will try to some people will try to rush the situation or rush mm -hmm. the marriage to get married before you have an understanding of what that expectation might be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, we actually will have to continue our conversation after the break because we got to the commercial break. But I'm joined tonight by family law attorney Raymond Heckmat from Heckmat Law and Mediation. And you actually can get more information about him and uh, his group at heckmatfamilylaw.com. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be back after this commercial break. Welcome back again, my guest tonight, family law attorney Raymond Heckmat from Heckmat Law and Mediation. So, Raymond, we're talking about prenuptial agreements, and as you said, kind of debunking or demystifying them is uh, one of our goals on tonight's show. And you were talking about how um, a lot of it has to do with financial planning and understanding what each other's roles and expectations are. And there isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to how a couple should either share or divide their joint uh, incomes or you know assets. But what are some options or what are some things that you talk to about couples regarding that or some options that are out there for them? So... Um, as we, as you said, one size fits all. Um, we have to remember that without a prenuptial agreement, we all fall under the one size fits all California law. Mm -hmm. So, if you don't have a prenuptial agreement, you are going to be subject to that California law, and it may or may not fit your own marriage. It may not fit your finances. It may not fit your family structure. Um, so again, the prenuptial agreement is an opportunity to structure and manage your finances as a couple mm -hmm. together. And some things that I address with my clients is in terms of that structure, how do we want income to be dealt with during the marriage? Mm -hmm. And some couples believe that the income needs to be shared in one joint pot and it all goes to one pot and we save and we we spend and we share all together, all in one pot, which works for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, or some people want completely separate accounts, 100%, and everyone is responsible for their own earning and spending, which is also right for some people. However, there's many people that fall into the middle, and we work on a lot of different hybrids of percentages or set dollar figures that, that are best for your specific schedule situation mm -hmm. in your marriage. And what we talk about is, I and what I confront, and I think you and I have talked about it a few times, is that in a marriage, some one or both partners lose a sense of autonomy. Mm -hmm. And um, we live in a society where people are getting married later on, 
and later on in age, and they've had many years of spending at their own will and spending without discussing with a partner and being able to just do whatever they want whenever they want. Mm -hmm. But when you enter into a marriage, you're entering into that partnership with someone where you're going to be sharing everything. And, but you still need to, some people need to keep that autonomy. And if that's something that's important to you, you're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And what, what we establish sometimes is through the prenuptial agreement is a joint account will be established where a certain percentage or certain sources of money will come into the joint joint account, either directly or as a contribution from either or both parties. And that joint account will cover joint expenses, joint expenses, living expenses, rent, utilities, things for the baby, um, car payments, et cetera, just general living expenses. Mm -hmm. But then each party is able to also manage their own separate bank accounts. Now, those bank accounts can either remain to be separate property that they will always walk away with, or it can be community property. But the idea is that the money in these separate accounts can be left to each partner to have that autonomy to spend. Um, and for our listeners out there that have gone to some premarital counseling sessions or have gone through those sessions, um, a lot of questions, the question that regularly arises is, what amount are you allowed mm -hmm. to spend with your or allowed to spend during your marriage without having to ask your partner if mm -hmm. what they if they approve or are having to talk about it with your right. partner mm -hmm. and and which is a great conversation to have because again it's a continued conversation and and we keep talking about having the conversation and it's not just the conversation before you get married but you're going to have millions sure. of them throughout your mm -hmm. marriage mm -hmm. and this is just one more but sometimes somebody wants to go out and just buy something that they really, really want. And they don't want to have that conversation, but they want to just spend as they will with their own money sometimes. And sometimes you want to splurge on yourself. And that's a very healthy way of living sometimes. Sometimes you just need to, right? So this allows for that. And it allows for that autonomous spending um, on things that will be for yourself. Mm -hmm. And your in, in your own spending, right? So it's you know like you, we both are saying, it's not a one size fits all. Some people want to they'll pool everything together and say we'll discuss things or we'll set these types of limits. Some people say we'll pool a certain amount and then the rest it's kind of to our own discretion how we spend it. But uh, it's important for the couple to talk about that. And like you said, I'm all about premarital counseling. I think it's wonderful and helping strengthen the marriage, work out any problems, and even actually determine are we really right for each other before we go forward and make this really big decision. And a big part of that should be, or at least definitely a part of it, should be talking about finances and really getting into it. And again, I mentioned this last segment, and I'll say it again. I think oftentimes people get so sucked into the romantic idea of love and marriage, which I think is beautiful and wonderful, and we should value that and cherish that part, but they forget that there's logistics that have to be taken care of, and if you don't take care of them, they could be the cause of that beautiful love you know, deteriorating and leading to a divorce. So right. they might think, oh, you know, talking about finances is so unromantic, or it takes away this feeling, or it makes it shallow or superficial. But as a couple, you have to deal with lots of material and shallow types of things just to make ends meet and to get by. So if you don't talk about them, you know, people might think they don't need to talk about them, but I've worked with couples where because they didn't talk about it, it was bothering 
one person for years and years and years, but they thought they never could bring it up because it's about money and money is a taboo that they're not allowed to talk mm-hmm. about. And then they blow up, you know, somewhere down the line. And I'd much rather people talk about it and have those potentially uncomfortable conversations before the marriage. And then going forward, there won't be any surprises. Right. And and one of those topics can, is actually family money. And when mm-hmm. And family involvement, both mm-hmm. pre-marriage and during marriage, regarding money, mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes up when um, one or both sides have inherited money, trust distributions that they receive, and a discussion needs to be had as to where that money belongs. Yeah, and whether all of it will be shared, a percentage will be shared, none of it will be shared, um, and there are many families that want to keep those things either separate or at least keep them characterized as separate, even if they're going to be helping the community or helping a partners build their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see a lot of times where that family money and that family of involvement can become a part of a big contentious point um, only because it wasn't discussed prior mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And it's only at the time of separation that some people may uh, try to obtain that family money when they may not necessarily have the right to it Mm. or that the conversation wasn't had as to where that money belongs and Mm. that money is now commingled with other money and you're just faced with a a big big problem on your right sure yeah it becomes really messy at that point um yeah and related to that you know what are some reasons where prenups might be very important for example you mentioned things like trusts and inherited money also, maybe family businesses is that 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 can be another area. I know you mentioned. Sure. Before, so I have a lot of clients where they are working with their families, both in business or real estate, and they have large holdings, um, high asset properties or businesses, and they may join the family business or they may manage separate property, real estate that has been been owned by the family for many many years, mm-hmm. but some. Clients don't understand that during the marriage, the community or husband and wife or partners can gain an interest in those separate property assets strictly by way of their efforts during marriage. Mm. And sometimes certain families want to make sure that even though we want these the, the income or the benefit of these assets to help a marriage grow and save and build... The assets themselves should remain the separate property of the family. And a lot of times uh, establishing that from day one can really protect and really uh, plan for that successful marriage because those expectations have been set from day one. Right. Um, along the same lines, on the other side, when you have a significant amount of debt, there's a lot of couples that get married uh, without discussing how much debt they have mm. or what their credit score is. Mm-hmm. And that can cause contentious contention because when you marry someone, you're taking on their debt and you could be responsible for that debt later on. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you need to establish that there's going to be some indemnification there and, mm-hmm. and or who's going to be responsible for paying it off. Right. Or even creating a plan together of how we're going to pay it off if it's like Absolutely. a certain installments or whatever we want to do together. But that's interesting when we usually think of when people talk about prenups, I usually, they think of like, okay, what do they have that I want to make sure I get, you know, kind of that negative viewpoint. But like you said, part of the full disclosure means you'll also know about their debts and those things that you don't want to get surprised with somewhere 
down the line either. Absolutely. And that can also lead into uh, how your partner may be spending their money. And it may be not, it may not be something that you are aware of while you're dating or through the engagement period, but you may find that your partner spends excessively and that's not something they wanted to talk about. But Mm -hmm. once you're married, it's a little too late to manage. Um, And that works on both sides and that works on both sides. So it's, it's important to have that conversation again. Absolutely. You know, and going back to the businesses, um, you know, someone might say does, is there ways to separate decision making related to the business and the income from comes like that comes from that business? Do they have to be linked together, or can you separate? Them? No, they can absolutely be separated. Okay. And what we do many times is, and I, I, what we do many times is that a business might be kept separate, mm-hmm. and it might be separate, and so that there would be no interference or no uh, problems at any time in running the business during a marriage or post marriage, but that the income derived from those assets or the business can be community property. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I may have people come in and say, he wants to keep everything separate because, and he doesn't want to share anything because he wants this business or this property to be his own. Mm -hmm. Well, there might be some reasons for that. If there's partners involved, if it's a large scale business, if there's shareholders involved, there are many reasons why a business needs to be kept separate. Many partnership agreements have spousal waivers to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the flip side, maybe that person is willing to share the income. Mm -hmm. So that income will be community property and the income will be shared by both people. And and that will give an opportunity for partners to grow together. And and my goal of a prenuptial agreement, again, is to provide for that and provide a roadmap for that successful Mm -hmm. marriage. And a lot of times that roadmap includes saving and saving together, saving as a couple and providing terms that will, will allow people to save together, grow together, invest together and really be financially successful together. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a, you know, I think people might wonder about family businesses or if they have their own businesses and what the involvement is now when they get married and can they somehow clarify that or delineate what's the decision-making, the finances, the income, from that, I think that that's an interesting thing that I'm, I'm glad you clarified a little bit there. You know, we got to our second commercial break, but maybe after the break, you can tell us your do's and don'ts related to prenuptial agreements. Again, I'm joined by family law attorney Raymond Heckmat from Heckmat Law and Mediation. We'll be back after this commercial break. Welcome back again, my guest tonight, family law attorney Raymond Heckmat, and we're talking about prenuptial agreements. And you know, in this last segment, I, you wanted to talk about some do's and don'ts that you've seen in your work and experience um, with prenuptial agreements of what can make them become destructive or what can make them constructive. And so maybe we can start with the don'ts. Right. So the first thing is, I think. Uh, you don't want to enter the conversation and take things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be defensive or combative. And I think that that leads into a discussion that you and I have had, the difference between a damaging uh, damaging discussion or, or, or uh, a damaging conversation mm-hmm. versus a respectful or constructive conversation. Um, and it's very important to keep cool and calm and listen to your partner mm-hmm. and try to come from a place of understanding. Um, 
yeah, I think that's key. And, and really, that's almost an approach to any conversation you'd hope you have with your partner. I think because of how prenups, the reputation it has, it almost, I think, makes, and because lawyers can be involved, or have to be involved to actually right. make a prenuptial agreement, uh, you know, le- legitimate. Um, I think people think it become has to be adversarial. It has to be me versus you. Whereas I think what you're saying is hopefully the partner walks in as me and you together. We're trying to create something together. It's not me against you. It's not let's, who, who wins this one. Just like any argument or discussion hopefully you have with your partner is about winning. It's not about winning. It's about winning together. Um, but I think that makes sense that you see people, I'm sure, come in or, approach the process in a contentious adversarial way, or they can approach it in a, this is something we're doing together to help potentially strengthen our marriage and clarify things going forward. Right. And, and one way in which some people do that is by way of a mediated prenuptial agreement Mm -hmm. where a couple may come to see me together and work with me together to do a prenuptial agreement as a like a collaborative prenuptial agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will work on a agreement together, the three of us, and then each one will go and hire their own separate attorneys to advise them and to uh, counsel them on, on the agreement. And their attorneys will talk to me about what changes they see and what changes they would like in there. Mm-hmm. And we kind of work on it collaboratively. Mm. Um, and that sometimes is a better situation for, couples because it forces them to have the conversation but at least but also um i act as a buffer between the two attorneys to Mm -hmm. keep it from becoming so contentious yeah um because those two attorneys rarely talk to each other Um, they will talk to me and i talk to the clients and i act as the buffer and bring up the points that i think are what the clients may want to see and keep out the things that they may not want to achieve. Yeah, and it's actually interesting because when you said that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of attorneys, and I get the sense your approach is much more balanced, but they think, well, if the client's coming to me, my job is to get them as much as I can. Right. Like I'm supposed to fight for them tooth and nail to get, you know, even if it's a percentage here or money here or whatever it is, maybe they think that's their mindset. So maybe as the individual approaching your attorney, first of all, you can talk about choosing the right attorney, which, uh, you know, definitely seems like you're, in that category, um, but also approaching your attorney, letting them know I'm not trying to beat my partner. You know, I'm not trying to really like take them out or make a, get a really unfair settlement with them or agreement with them. I'm doing this because we want to clarify some things, but you know, I want you to know where I'm coming from. I don't expect you to try to, you know, rip my partner off or, you know, win. Right. So that know? goes into the, uh, a second don't is don't create a take it or leave it situation. Mm-hmm. Don't without, without talking to your partner first don't go meet with an attorney and say hey i want this mm-hmm. draft this this is where and i see this as a negotiation so let's start this as the starting point mm-hmm. don't do that Just talk to your partner first talk about what it is that you two want to achieve and and do that with your attorney together yeah. and actually you bring up a point that we maybe we're going to touch on at the end but just in case we don't have time that if you can't have that conversation with your partner that might tell you that the relationship is not strong enough or something's quite not there or right about the relationship. Because someone might hear that and say, ooh, I don't know if I can talk to my partner about it. It's like, well, if you can't withstand conversations about these things, maybe maybe you guys aren't right for each other. Maybe something's not quite right about this relationship. Sure, absolutely. And, I, and I've, I've had many of those conversations with my clients as well hmm. um, where they're uncomfortable or they say, I can't talk to her about this. Well, when are you going to talk to her about it? Mm-hmm. Because you guys are getting married yeah. and it's going to come up. So right. when will you be ready? Mm-hmm. Um, and the last don't that I have is don't rush it. Don't do it at the last minute. 
this is something to plan ahead of time. Um, I see it most beneficial is when have when partners talk about their finances during dating, even prior mm -hmm. to the engagement period, mm -hmm. talking about these things about how whether somebody would be open to a prenup and what it would entail and why they may need one or may why they may want one. Mm -hmm. Have that discussion early. Don't just draft something and drop it off at, on your partner's lap a week before the wedding. Yeah. That's when something can be taken personally. That's when it can be destructive. Yeah, and that seems like it's related to one of the ones you said before about um you know, not making it like a surprise to them or not uh doing it without talking to them, you know, right? And I think that's somehow sometimes it starts that way, I'm sure, where someone shows up with, "Hey, by the way, this is what you're going to have to sign or whatever." Unfortunately, you know, and and I mean, when you're going to if you're trying to be open and honest with someone, that's mm -hmm. a terrible way to start that conversation. Absolutely. Um, and you need to, it's really important to work on it together sure. and start that conversation as early, as early as possible. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you're saying, if you, if you do it that way, where it's like you show up, Hey, like, you know, here's the prenuptial agreement. It sets the tone of a, a contentious, you know, fight, right? It's kind of like, here's what I'm, this is my first punch. Let's see what you counter with rather than, again, starting in a collaborative fashion of, hey, you know, let's talk about this, let's do this. So, yeah, definitely a don't would be don't go behind your partner's back and get an attorney and then come back with a prenuptial agreement. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think, were those all the don'ts? Yes. Okay, let's go to some of the do's, what people should do. So it's very important to be open and honest about your finances, your financial mm -hmm. expectations, and your roles and responsibilities during your marriage. Uh -huh. Have that conversation. Talk about what it is that you expect financially during the marriage and talk about what your roles and responsibilities will be and be honest about what assets you hold, what debts you have, mm -hmm. maybe family money, inheritance, um, properties that you might have an interest in, where you might be seeing money coming in in the future. Be open and honest, yeah. really. Mm -hmm. uh, the next do is listen to your partner. Come from a place of understanding. Mm -hmm. Listen to why somebody may want certain provisions or certain terms in an agreement, um, either to protect their family or their business. But it's important to listen. And again, that goes in line with don't take things personally, mm -hmm. don't be defensive. Mm -hmm. Listen to your partner about those right. things. And it's interesting a lot, you know, as I'm hearing you mention these dues, a lot of them are just dues about communication in general, right? Or marriage in general. Sure. Like, don't take things personally, be open, be, you know, try to understand your partner. These are all important things, whether you're talking finances or just anything else. Right. And this is, again, this is an exercise for proper communication during mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. um, pay attention to red flags. Again, when, when you're having these discussions and certain things may come up mm -hmm. and you're not able to have certain conversations, or if you say something that's important to you and someone is fighting it or bringing something else up, pay attention to that. Right. Pay attention to that because this is not the last time that will come up. Mm -hmm. It will come up again during your marriage whether you like it or not. And it's something that you will have to deal with. So it's something that should not be ignored. It should be talked through and it should be resolved. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's, again, you know, it, it's a process where I'm sure you've seen, it could probably bring out the worst in someone, unfortunately, and maybe bring out just like who they're going to be when things get tough, which could be a good side of them. And you're saying pay attention to what your partner shows you and reveals you reveals to you about themselves during during that process. Exactly. And I think that the next thing, and we 
it's kind of the other side of some of the don'ts, but having that constructive discussion and being aware of having a constructive discussion. And sometimes that constructive discussion can happen through premarital financial uh, consulting with me or therapy sessions with a therapist like yourself mm -hmm. where you do premarital uh, sessions and talk about it and talk. Maybe you need the help of a third party to talk through yeah. some of these things. And, right. and I think that's vital for proper communication. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. You know, so those were some do's and don'ts. And I think there's also maybe kind of related to do's and don'ts, something that we didn't quite talk about this before. So, you know, let me know if you have any thoughts about this, but in, in choosing an attorney or in working with someone, maybe some red flags or things that, a person should be concerned about because one thing I can think of is, for example, if a person feels like the attorney is pushing them too much or pressuring them too much. So, do you have any advice on that end too of what things maybe people should look out for if they're in this process? I think it's very important to first interview attorneys, uh -huh. find someone that meets your that that fits your attitude on how you handle your business and how you handle your marriage, mm -hmm. how you will want to handle your marriage. Find someone that fits your goals and your ethics and someone that goes along with what it is that you want to achieve. Um, you should be mindful of attorneys that off the first bat in the meeting, you can get this, we can get that, we can negotiate this, you have a right to this, you can get this plus this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want attorneys that are going to be making promises. The questions an attorney should be asking you are, what is it that you'd like to achieve? Right. What is it that, how, how do you see this marriage working? Hmm. How do the two of you, have the two of you talked about this? What, what discussions have the two of you had? Yeah. How, what does your partner want to get out of this agreement? These are the things that will tell you whether or not an attorney is looking only on your side and not look at, or, and not wanting to see what your partner may be achieving. Yeah. And you want someone that has that point of view for both sides. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, that's for both attorneys. Mm -hmm. You want both attorneys to have that view so that they can work as a team together. Sure. I mean, I had a phone call this morning with another attorney and it was, it was a great phone call because we really talked about whether somebody, we, we talked about the fact that our clients are planning to have a child soon. And even though a prenuptial agreement can include terms for a child, but what are things that we can do to set them up for success um, knowing that they're going to have a child soon? Mm -hmm. And what are the thing, What are adjustments that we need to make in their financial plan and what the two of them might have discussed together, but what can me and her and this other, this other attorney uh, do for our clients mm -hmm. together? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you were discussing like the kind of hypotheticals, but the one where it's like, let's see, I can get this and this and this, and we can take them for that. You know, it, it should hopefully feel wrong to you when someone almost is like making, pitting your partner as an enemy or your opponent, like we're going to get them. And that hopefully will set up, set off some alarms for you. Although again, I think some people go into the process thinking it has to be adversarial and has to be right. contentious. So maybe that won't set off those alarms. And I'm hoping a discussion like this will open people's eyes that no, it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm sure your experience, you've probably what worked with both types of attorneys, ones where it was like this morning, you said you had a call where it seems very constructive and it was going to be a good process and others where they made it contentious and your experience I'm sure is very different with that. Um, but clearly you're letting people know that your lawyer doesn't have to be contentious or don't think that, you know, I think there's an idea that your lawyer has to fight for you and, you know, just try to get whatever they can for you, but that doesn't necessarily make them a good or strong 
attorney and it might make the process destructive for you? Well, again, it really depends on what you're looking to achieve from the agreement mm -hmm. and what you're trying to negotiate. Yeah. Um, there have been situations where you're dealing with, I would say, a contentious attorney, but that specific person needed a contentious attorney because they wanted to fight tooth and nail to keep as much as they wanted for themselves going into a marriage. Mm -hmm. And and that's the type of attorney that they asked for, and that's the type of attorney that they wanted to have represent them. Mm -hmm. And that's a personal choice. Sure, sure. And, and another, another thing that's a personal choice is whether a prenup is right for you or not. Right. And um, I, I don't think that a prenup is for absolutely everybody, but it's important to have that conversation. And that's why I offer the premarital financial consultant sessions just mm -hmm. to talk about whether a prenup is right for you yeah, and whether it's something that can be really great for your marriage. Yeah. And I think that's what I, you know, really liked when we spoke um, about your approach and, you know, first of all, I wanted to have you on to talk about prenuptial agreements. I think it's a controversial topic in a way, or people can think of it as a very taboo or scary thing to talk about, but wanted to demystify it in that way, but also really talk about and emphasize the financial planning aspect of the process and even what you provide so that people know that if they come to an attorney, it doesn't mean it's going to necessarily has to be a prenuptial agreement. There's other options and other services that they can provide. And it's absolutely imperative that couples talk about finances before they enter a marriage, whether they have a prenuptial agreement or not. Those conversations, which could be potentially uncomfortable, must be had. And they can have them with the therapist, but also can have them with an attorney to talk about the logistics and the legal uh, issues that, you know, play a part in what they're dealing with. So Raymond Heckbat, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me. Again, Raymond Heckmat is a family law attorney at Heckmat Law and Mediation, and you can get more information at www.heckmatfamilylaw.com. So thank you so much to him for joining me tonight. And thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful night. <laughs>